You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. There are varieties of service with the same Lord. There are varieties of activities with the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit an utterance of wisdom, and to another an utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another varieties of kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ryan. Good evening. Welcome to Mercy View. My name is Brad, one of the pastors here. And if you are visiting with us tonight, so honored that you've joined us. If you're visiting or joining us online, we we welcome you there as well. Look forward to seeing you hopefully soon as you in on the finish line of a series that we began at the beginning of the year called Third Person, the Present Power of the Holy Spirit, where we are looking at that very thing. We are looking at the Holy Spirit, the way that he works in our lives individually, the way that he desires to work in our church as well. And we've talked about a lot of stuff over these last few weeks. We've got, uh, I guess it's see, three more weeks left uh, on, on this series Uh, And um, really what's going on right now, what's been going over the past few weeks, we'll be here a couple more weeks, is really a series within a series. We are looking at uh, what are called the gifts of the Spirit, uh, spiritual gifts, you may may have heard them said that way. Uh, And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is looking at uh, some ways that the Bible categorizes uh, certain spiritual gifts. Now, that's not to say that these are the only spiritual gifts that exist out there, but as a helpful tool for us, what we've done over the last few weeks is taken a moment to say, here is uh, in, in Ephesians 4, the ministry gifts. These are the gifts that the, that the Lord gives to the church to, to help support ministry. The, the next week, you heard from Trey in, in Romans 12, we looked at what are called the motivation gifts, and, and we uh, just hung there for a moment, looked at that for, again, for us to kind of wrestle with, do, do I, am I gifted in any of these ways? Is there a, a way in which I am supposed to engage in this gift to motivate um, others? And then we have been, uh, for the last couple of weeks, looking at a third category. It's probably the most talked about, the most debated category of the spiritual gifts, um, what are called the manifestation gifts. Some call it the miraculous uh, gifts. And last week, we began to ease into that latter ca- category by Uh, Just making a statement as we start to lay some groundwork and some tracks for us as a church. And we said this. We said here at Mercy View, historically, when asked about this this question uh, of manifestation gifts, we have said, yes, we are a continuationist church. But practically, in the past, we, we said we don't really know what that means. Functionally, we don't really know what that means. We're praying about it, talking about it, thinking about it. As we approach this year, as the elders were thinking about emphasis for this year, um, and in particular as we looked at the most recent covenant renewal, it became clear to us 
that to serve you well would be to uh, talk a little bit more about the present power of the Holy Spirit. It's something a lot of you wanted to hear more about. And so we began a, a very in-depth year of study and conversation between elders and also some other leaders here to begin to think through what it looks like for us to practically be a continuationist church. And so last week we began to again ease into that and and what we said is we're a continuationist church. Let me just define that again for us. Uh, what that means is that we believe that all the gifts of the Spirit are in operation uh, today. Uh, the ones that began in the early church are still then available for us today in, in the church. We have full access to those gifts. And we believe that what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, which is where we looked at last week, we actually read a lot of the same verses this week because we need to talk about some more stuff that's in those same verses uh, we said that uh, what we're seeing Paul do in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is not prohibit the use of manifestation gifts. What Paul is doing is correcting or instructing the use of the manifestation gifts in particular in the Corinthian church. And that what Paul is doing in a transcultural way is not just merely describing for this particular church what they need to do well, but actually he's describing for us, even in today, 2021, what it looks like for a local church to practice these gifts in an orderly and a healthy and biblical way. Now, I want to review really quickly what we said last week because uh, in many ways it was the foundation uh, of where we are going to head over these next few weeks and to be honest with you, you heard Ryan and Trey in the weeks before we stepped into manifest, uh, manifestation gifts say some of these things already. Um, so it's all kind of building upon itself. But let me just go through a few things. We said, first of all, that we are not attempting here uh, at Mercy View to somehow elevate the gifts uh, of the miraculous above and over other gifts. What we said last week is if we're going to say that we are a continuationist church, um, we want to be, you know, like... Um, have integrity in saying that by saying, if that is one of the legs of the, the gift stool, um, we need to be talking about it and figuring out what it looks like for us to practice that here. We want to make sure that that third leg is in place so that the Spirit is free to apportion, as it says in the Scriptures, to each one in mercy view individually as He would will for those who He desires to be gifted in those, those ways. Every member of this church, if you're a partner with us here at Mercy View, we believe God has given gifts to you to help our church flourish and thrive, not only for our good, but to make much of Jesus so that other people look in on this and go, I want in on that. There is real life there. There's something happening that's different there. But we want to make sure that we're not excluding the gifts of the miraculous, of the manifestation gifts. We also looked at some general principles last week that Paul seems to kind of lay out for us, in, in particular in Romans 12, but also in 13 and 14. Let me just go through those real quickly, just as a matter of review, and then we'll jump into our passage tonight. Here's what we said. We said, first, spiritual gifts are doxological. We said, the gifts of the Spirit are always meant to ultimately point to Jesus. Unless spiritual gifts are growing our love and worship for Jesus, we are not operating or using those gifts correctly. Second, we said... Spiritual gifts, and again, we're talking broadly here, are diverse. God intends, we've already said this, but God intends to help the church flourish through a beautiful diversity and variety of gifts. Ministry gifts, motivation gifts, manifestation gifts. Third, spiritual gifts are democratic. 
In other words, the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. First and foremost, they're given for the church and for the health and the fruitfulness of the church, not the individual. Although there can be benefits for the individual, uh, primarily it's for the church. Fourth, spiritual gifts are discretionary. When we say this, we're talking about God's perspective on spiritual gifts. In God's providence, in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, he dispenses gifts at his goodwill, at his pleasure for a particular local church. For, again, it's flourishing and it's good. Fifth, spiritual gifts are discerning. This is a really important one. We need to discern, as no matter what our gift is, as we're operating in that gift, are we desiring to draw attention to ourselves as we express that gift or God? Are we wanting to make much of him or make much of us? Are we wanting to serve our fellow church partner here or make much of ourselves? Our, our, our gifts, our spiritual gifts are to be discerning. We are to discern what's actually going on in our heart that's motivating our expression of it. Fifth, or excuse me, lastly, uh, spiritual gifts are deferential. Uh, spiritual gifts are to be used in a humble and orderly and respectful way. They are used in the context of a local church, a, a faith community, and under the, this, the, the uh, authority and submission of the leaders in that church. And spiritual gifts must always be in unison with the word. It is always word and spirit, not word or spirit or spirit or word, but uh, our expression, particularly of the manifestation gifts, but really all gifts, are to defer to the Bible, to be in unison with the scriptures. It's always word and spirit. All right, so that's a quick review where we were last week. Now, um, we looked at a couple or a few of the lesser talked about um, manifestation gifts last week, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, discerning of spirits. We talked about faith last week as well. If you haven't had a chance and you're curious what we said about those things, we don't have time to go through all that again, but encourage you to go back and listen to that sermon and hear what we said. And really, I want to just talk real quickly about where we closed last week because this captures why we're even doing this series. We closed last week by saying that um, the church, our church, Mercy View, desperately needs an infusion of the supernatural activity of God into our life and ministry. Now, maybe to you that, that, that lands on you oddly, like, you know, uh, supernatural as in like sensational and emotional and kind of over the top. That's not what we're talking about. Though God can move in that way, what we're talking about is a recognition that God himself is a supernatural being. And the spirit that, that, that God, we said this at the very top of our series, that the spirit that God has sent is God's supernatural presence that is dwelling in us and also is desiring to move among us. And so really we're just wanting to acknowledge that we are in need of that. We are in need of an infusion of the spirit among us. And we believe that knowing what our gifting is but also in particular this, this category of the manifestation gifts, for those who God desires to gift in that way, we want to be available to God in that way. We want to understand the way it's supposed to work biblically, function biblically, but we think it's an important part of the whole picture in us experiencing God. So we're not advocating for some sort of 
again, sensational or emotional approach to Christianity. God, I mean, we have emotions for sure, and God uses those. But we don't want to get in the way of what the Spirit wants to do among us. And so, again, not elevating like saying the gift of prophecy is somehow more spiritual or essential than the gift of mercy. We're just saying, like, we want to provide space appropriately for the Spirit to move so that we can honor what we believe the Word has to say about the gifts of the Spirit. So, tonight, I want to continue this conversation about the manifestation gifts by looking at some of the more talked about, more discussed, maybe even more debated gifts. And, and last week, I, I said that we're going to cover a lot tonight, miracles and healing and prophecy and tongues. In preparing this week's sermon this week, it became clear to me really quickly, we have, there's no way for us to do all of that tonight. So talking with John and, and other leaders here, we, we've called an audible, and we're going to expand this series by one week so that we can uh, take the time that we need tonight to talk about healing and miracles, and then next week we're going to look at prophecy and tongues, and then the final week of our series um, we're going to look at the way in which the Spirit empowers mission uh, among us. So tonight, we're going to talk about healing and miracles. As we do that, I really want to invite you to just see one big idea tonight. And here it is. If you take notes, write this down. A gift of healing is a God-ordained occurrence of divine mercy prompted by someone else on our behalf. Let me just say that again. A, a gift of healing is a God-ordained occurrence of divine mercy prompted by someone else on our behalf. All right, so we're going to uh, unpack that as we go through uh, this evening. So if you have your Bibles, keep them open to 1 Corinthians 12. Really, we're, on, we're just at a couple of verses tonight, verses 9 and 10. I want you to notice something as we jump into those verses that after saying that for those given the gift of the manifestation of the Spirit, that it's given for the common good, Paul says that some are given faith and some are given the gifts of healing and then to another the working of miracles. We're just going to hang on that section tonight. Um, it's really all we have time for. Now, last week I said to you that the gift of faith is closely related to the gifts of healing and the workings of miracles. So I want to talk about faith again real quickly here because of, of their relationship. Here's what we said last week about the idea of faith. In the New Testament, we see a lot of, uh, a lot of occurrences of this word faith. We see a lot of, 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 of examples of faith in the New Testament. Really, if you look at the entire New Testament, you really see three different kinds of faith. The first is what you would call saving faith. Right, this is the, the faith that we exercise whenever the Lord uh, convicts us of sin, we repent of sin, and we come to Him at the very beginning of our walk with Him. It's really what happens in conversion. This, this particular kind of, of faith is something that's available to everyone. Um, so that's the first, saving faith. Second is what I would call exercising faith. This is the faith that is true for all Christians that you and I over a lifetime express uh, as, as a, a matter of dependence upon God. 
uh, confidence in God. We have faith in him. We are placing our trust in him. That's a second kind of faith that you and I as believers are commanded to uh, pursue, exercising faith. But there is a third kind of faith, and it's the that's the kind of faith that we see here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9. It's what would be known as the manifestation gift of faith. Now, here's how we defined this kind of faith last week. We said that the miraculous gift of faith is a special faith that is a mysterious surge of confidence and trust which rises within a person in a particular situation of need or challenge and gives an extraordinary certainty and assurance that God is about to act through a word or an action. Now, that's a lot. That's a mouthful. Let me just read it again. This is very important. This is really our definition of the manifestation gift of faith here. It says, it says this, the miraculous gift of faith is a special faith, right? And what we mean by special is that this is um, something in particular that God gives to certain people. That's We're all called to some kind of faith, saving, exercising faith, but not all are called to this kind, but it is a special faith that is a mysterious surge, so maybe we could say a supernatural surge of confidence, and we actually said last week that it, it likely is spontaneous rather than a permanent uh, surge, which rises within a person in a particular situation of need or challenge. We also said, though, it gives an extraordinary certainty to that person and assurance that God is about to act through a word or an action. Where saving faith is available to everyone and exercising faith is a, uh, true for all Christians, the manifestation gift of faith is a spiritual gift that God, again, in a discretionary way, in a, in a, in a, in a providential way, gives to certain members in the body of Christ, just like the, he gives the gift of helps or preaching. Um, not every person is given this gift of faith, but he does give it sovereignly to certain believers. And I said last week that this particular gift is actually one of my spiritual gifts. Um, I regularly experience that surge of confidence in particular situations of need, I believe that God is about to work in a specific way. But what does faith have to do with healing? This is so important for us to talk about tonight, frankly, because we are in a city where there is much misunderstanding about this, uh, particularly um, for those of you that have grown up in Tulsa, you, you know, um, there is a layer of misunderstanding here that is really prevalent about the relationship between faith and between healing. So we want to dispel some of that tonight uh, so that we have a better understanding of what the scriptures actually say uh, about the relationship. Again, I'm, I mentioned a, a, a friend and a mentor to the leaders here at Mercy View, in particular on this issue of the manifestation gifts, is our friend Sam Storms, who's a pastor at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. Um, Bridgeway is a, a sister church of ours in the Acts 29 Church Planning Network, and we just love Sam. We think that he is uh, um, a wise and helpful mentor in this, uh, this sort of uh, category of, of, of the walk, our walk with the Lord. And uh, what he says is so helpful to us. I'm just going to share with you some of what he says about the relationship 
between faith and healing. First, um, there is this sort of relationship that, that, that there is a faith that God can heal. There is a faith that God can heal. If you look at the life of Jesus, we, we see that he took special delight in healing those who were open and receptive to his power to perform a work in their lives. But second, there is a faith that believes that God does heal. This is the faith that healing is still a part of God's purposes, uh, purposes and plans for his people today. Again, at his sovereign pleasure, but that it's still uh, something that, that God is in the business of doing today. In other words, we, we would say that God, it's not as if God somehow has decided to stop healing people. Right, so let me maybe summarize these two things in this way. For those with the gift of faith, knowing that God can heal is one thing. But really, the, those with the manifestation gift of faith, um, as it relates to healing, if, if this is one of the ways in which their, their gift is expressed, they also know that God does heal. It, it's really a non-negotiable for someone who operates in the gift of healing as it relates to their faith. But there is a third way to understand this relationship between faith and healing. And you don't have to turn there, but in James chapter 5, verses, uh, verse 15, it says this. Let me just read it for you. It says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, that verse has been misinterpreted and abused by a lot of people. But here's why it's so important to talk about the relationship between faith and healing in the way that James is talking about it here. Um, we want to make sure there aren't mi mixed messages about uh, verses like this among us. There are uh, things that we need to grab in this verse that are really important. Who is it dependent on and what is it dependent on? One way that this verse is misunderstood as if, is this if there is either an informal or casual prayer, like it's prayed any time anybody wants to pray it and God will heal every time. Or it's, it's more like, and this is probably more prevalent um, than the other, is this sort of a guarantee uh, prayer is how I would coin it. If you have enough faith, God will always heal. But here's the key. Th this isn't a prayer. I believe what James is saying. This isn't a prayer that we pray whenever we want to. I actually think the prayer of faith is a unique prayer that is, listen, directly energized only on those occasions when it is God's sovereign purpose to impart to someone a gift of healing. We're starting to touch on how we believe the gift of healing, or a gift, I should say, of healing works here. Um, but let me just say that again. The prayer of faith is a unique prayer that is divinely energized only on those occasions when it is God's sovereign purpose to impart a gift for healing. So here's what that means. One prays this prayer only when sovereignly prompted by the Spirit that God intends to heal the one for whom prayer is being offered. This is more than just merely believing that God can heal or is able to heal, this appears to be faith in God in this particular case that he is not only willing to heal but plans to heal. Now, 
Some of you hear that and you're like, man, that sounds pushy, Brad. <laughs> you know, I, I get that and, and I, I understand how it could land on, on you that way. But let me just let me just say it this way. For God, who sovereignly gives the prayer of faith and primarily gives the prayer of faith to someone who has a gift of healing, um, he produces in the hearts of those praying the faith, that, that prayer of faith, the confidence that that is his intent. And this particular kind of faith that James is referring to in response to which God heals is not the kind that you and I just exercise at our will. In other words, we're not in charge of initiating the prayer of faith. It is the kind of faith that we exercise when God wheels for someone to pray that prayer. So what does that mean? That means probably that this particular prayer, the prayer of faith that has confidence that God will heal, is, is not necessarily something that's going to happen a lot, but we want to make sure we're open to when it does happen to pray that prayer if, if God is giving that prayer of faith. Again, in particular, someone that has a gift of healing. Now, we need to get into what Paul means in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10, when he talks about gifts of healing and working of miracles. Now, I need to say first that I believe that Paul is using the word miracles here pretty broadly. It's kind of an umbrella term here. Broadly speaking, Paul is saying that the working or the gift of miracles is still in effect. Right? He, again, he's not prohibiting the use, but rather correcting and instructing the, the use of it. Uh, and, and look, I, though we don't get a definition of miracles here, Miracles here means an extraordinary and, and likely rare event that cannot be explained in terms of human abilities or other forces in the world. It is perceived to be a direct act of God when it happens. It's also meant to have some sort of symbolic value pointing us to God. Um, man, I looked for a, a definition of this a very like a long, long time this week, and I actually happened upon the eight, an 18th century uh, uh, English Baptist pastor and professor, John Gill. Um, so this is like a guy who, you know, we would identify a lot with just as Baptists, and so here, here's his definition of what miracles are here. He said it could include things like, ready for this? Here we go. Raising the dead, exorcisms, or authenticating an apostolic message. One of the thing, things that in this discussion that some people would say is those three things, for example, are yes, things that Jesus may have done or some of the apostles maybe even did, but that is where that gift ended. And again, here at Mercy View as a continuationist church, um, we would say though these kinds of things may be extremely rare, um, we are not going to say that they can't ever happen and that God doesn't give the gift in certain circumstances of miracles. But let's talk really about, I think, what is the, the hotter topic tonight, which is the topic of healing. Uh, you can either say that the gifts of healing find themselves within the larger category of miracles, or Paul seems to be putting them in just like their own category here. 
Uh, he seems to make it a point to speak both of miracles and healing as if to say they're two different things. I really don't think it matters which direction you go on that because healings are miraculous, right? But this is likely um, what Paul is getting at. I want you to notice that he uses a plural word. He says gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. Um, and here's what I believe that means. I believe it means that Paul wants to show that people can have the gift or a gift of healing um, in a particular moment, in a particular place, um, God-ordained, um, but, but a gift of healing is not a permanent and ongoing gift. And not, let me just say it maybe this way. I think Paul is, is actually saying that uh, there is no such thing as the gift of healing. But he is saying there is a gift of healing. That's the point of it being plural. Paul seems to be suggesting that there are either many different kinds or gifts of healing, or each occurrence of healing is a distinct and God-initiated gift in its own right. I think here at Mercy View or where we lean is that latter definition. Uh, each occurrence of healing is a distinct and God-initiated gift in its own right. So let me say it maybe another way. We do not believe that anyone has the gift of healing. We do not believe that someone has the God-given ability to heal everyone of every disease on every occasion. But we do believe that anyone can be a conduit of healing in which the Spirit sovereignly distributes a distinct gift of healing through them for a particular occasion and person. Now... We need to say something else here about healing. The best way to view healing, the way that we would want to view it here at Mercy View is the way that Paul talks about it in Philippians 2. You don't have to turn there, but beginning in verse 25, Paul says this. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only him, but on me also. Paul says that God had mercy on Epaphroditus. We believe that what Paul is talking about is, is physical mercy here. It's, it's healing. So here's what that means. Both for the uh, one gifted in healing and for the potential recipient of healing, um, it is always an expression of divine mercy from God. That's what healing is. So this is really important for us to say tonight, particularly as we think about um, some of the mixed messages, even in our own city, about, about healing. Healing should never be viewed as a right God does not owe us healing. We don't deserve healing. Healing is not always guaranteed to us. Yes, we should have faith for healing. God gives, again, special faith to some, I believe, that have a gift of healing. But there is a big difference between faith in divine mercy 
and presumption based on an alleged right. The primary reason God heals, uh, and we see this in the ministry of Jesus, prior to the Pentecost, and why we believe he continues to heal after Pentecost is because he is merciful, because he is compassionate, period. So if we put all of this together, this gets at the big idea that I want you to see tonight. I want to invite you to see. Let me just say it again. A gift of healing is a God-ordained occurrence of divine mercy prompted by someone else on our behalf. So if you're the one that's in need of mercy, someone else on your behalf is being used as a conduit by God, uh, given the gift of healing in a God-ordained moment or occurrence, and that is divine mercy to you. Now, it must be said that God can heal in any way that he chooses. What I'm describing tonight is not the only way that God chooses to heal. Like he can bypass this particular gift and just heal people unilaterally, right? But we want to articulate for you tonight that what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12 is a particular way in which God can and does heal. A gift of healing is one in which God initiates healing in a situation through the faith and prayers of another person on your behalf. That is one of the, again, at mercy, we say a valid way that God heals and desires to heal among us. So here's what, what I'd like to do as we end tonight. Just because healing, whether it's, you know, the, the prayer of faith for someone that has the, a gift of healing, or God in a, in a moment gives someone a gift of healing to pray over you, um, here at Mercy View, we would say just because what could result from that is healing, which is a divine mercy from God, it doesn't mean that we want to be passive about that here at Mercy View. And here's what I mean. As a continuationist church, we want to proactively believe that God has a significant role to play uh, among us in giving this gift to some people here. In other words, we don't want to cease praying for healing. Yes, sometimes the delay for healing in a person's life is because of a lack of faith and that gets blown out of proportion, but we, we can't say that that isn't an issue sometimes, or it's never an issue. Uh, sometimes sin is the issue. Sin is in the way. Though it's odd to say, sometimes people don't want to get well. Um, and in certain circumstances, this is a little heavy, so just hang with me here. Some are not healed because there is a demonic cause of an affliction that's not been addressed in their life. But we must consider that many times, or maybe say sometimes, we are not healed because we simply don't ask believing that God can and still does heal. Right, James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. Sure, many times through suffering even, as we wait on healing, God deepens our faith and trust in him. But to not pray for something that God is still in the business of doing seems unwarranted. And so again, we want to provide uh, space for God to move in that way if he so desires. So friends, some of you here tonight are in need of healing. We want to come alongside you. 
want to serve you and praying for God to heal you and ask the Lord if it would be his will to use us as a conduit of healing for you on your behalf. We believe that God can and still, uh, still does heal. And we're, we're talking about not just physical healing too. We're talking about emotional healing. We're talking about any form of healing that you need. God is still in the business of doing that. And so I want to just ask you this. Would you be so bold as to come forward at the close of our service tonight and allow us to pray over you? What if God wants you to experience personally what we've talked about theologically tonight? Wouldn't that be amazing? We want to pray for you. Maybe some of you listening uh, to this tonight, whether you're here or online, if you need some time to process what has been said tonight, you need to think about it. But in the days and weeks to come, you may want to reach out for prayer, for healing. We want to let you know we are available. We would be honored to pray for you. Don't ever hesitate to obey the Spirit's leading in that way. Reach out to a leader here at Mercy View. We'd be honored to, to serve you. Let me say this finally. We said earlier that divine healing is ultimately a symbol that points us back to God. If and when God chooses to heal, his intention is not to make much of the conduit for healing or to make much of the person that's getting healed. Those, those things are great. Friends, God heals, and he does, because he is wanting us to see him. Physical healing in this life is meant to point all of us to the power and majesty and strength and might of him. Healing is meant to turn our eyes upward and to make more of God, to make him bigger in our lives. Physical healing is meant to point us to ultimate reality, which is God and his infinite immortality and strength. Again, healing in this life, it happens in this life, it can and it does. Happens so that we get more of God. Friends, isn't that what we want? Let's open ourselves up to what God would want to do among us so that we can have more of him. Let's pray together.